Hello, so glad you could join us on the This Is Why podcast brought to you by the Muskegon YMCA. Here, we go out into our community to discuss the ways we are building a healthier Muskegon and learn more from those who are involved with the Y. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the This Is Why podcast. I'm Gabe Gerlach, CEO of the Muskegon YMCA, and today we're talking about green spaces and the importance of green spaces in our Muskegon community. I've got some awesome guests with me today, if you guys want to introduce yourselves. Yeah, I'm Kyle Kerchewski, uh, Director of Parks and Recreation for the City of Muskegon. And I'm Riley Gross. I'm the Director of Business Services at YMCA Camp Pendleton. We've got lots of good people here. Uh, so why don't you guys share a little bit about like your roles and kind of your interaction is, because you're both connected to to green spaces, but can you share a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, so I, um, the Parks and Recreation Department oversees 32 parks, um, over 900 acres of green space, and also um, over 12 miles of bike and non-motorized path. Um, so Aside from just the day-to-day <laughs> maintenance and all those um, areas, uh, we also are reviving uh, the Parks and Recreation Department that was disbanded 20 years ago. Um, so trying to start up programs, um, which is part of this connection with the YMCA. They're helping us run some programs in our parks. We actually had yoga in the park earlier today. Um, but trying to serve the whole community, you know, youth, seniors, adults, um, and add, you know, a sense of community um, and also some environmental education. Um, the city of Muskegon. And at YMCA Camp Pendleton, I oversee the director of business services, but um, our main priority at camp is to provide that green space for children as well as um, young adults and adults um, for family camps, specialty camps. What I kind of do in my role is, um, I'm, so I deal with business related, so registrations and marketing, advertising, financials, and all that um, jazz. Riley has kind of a cool history because prior to coming us, we were very excited to to snag her a long time ago. Um, but prior to coming us, she worked with uh, the Parks and Recreation, but on a national level. Yeah, the National Park Service. Um, so I before this, I was an interpretive ranger um, over at the George Washington Memorial Parkway. So Great Falls Park was my major uh, priority there, and Glen Echo, um, and Clara. Barton uh, Memorial Area. And then I worked at Zion National Park out in Utah. And I had the privilege to work in these very different diverse spaces, um, but get to see how the community interacts with these spaces. And with, I do have an outdoor environmental education minor, and it was a really cool opportunity to then use these experiences into how I am implementing it at Camp Pendleton. So clearly Kyle and Riley know a lot about <laughs> <laughs> programming and preserving green spaces and their importance in a community. So uh, what are green spaces? That might be something that not everybody knows. What what do you define green space as? So I would say that they are um, areas of society we preserve for um, outdoor um, recreation. Um, it doesn't have, it can be passive or active. Um, there's also, we have certain natural green spaces in our parks that serve more of a purpose of preserving land for wildlife. Agreed, yeah. <laughs> Natural landscapes, uh, green spaces. Excellent. And what do what do you think they bring to the community? Kind of a loaded question. Yeah, probably a lot, there's a but. lot of aspects to it, yeah. Yeah, I think as society evolves, um, it's important to have areas that, you know, 20, 30 years from now, um, you're not going to have a big 
factory across the street from you, you're going to have a park, um, green space, um, an area that, you know, I think, I just think it's, that's why I'm so involved in, uh, appreciative of parks and recreation because, you know, like I said, as society builds up, you never know what's going to happen in your neighborhood or, um, with your local city, but you have those areas that are reserved. Um, it's always going to be a place dedicated to the community. I think for kids, especially green spaces are so important and, um, cause nature, like we belong to nature. And so when kids are able to really find themselves out in nature and especially in a camp setting, we kind of like kids can go and nature is, I think, a a stress-free environment for kids, um, especially adults. It's a place for people to unwind. And I think for kids, it helps them challenge themselves and see if they can climb a tree, see if they can run as fast as they can in the grass or in the weeds. And it gives them new kinds of perspectives of the world by just being outside in these spaces. Yeah, it's a place to ditch the anxiety of everyday life and be able to relax. And, you know, there's guys out there playing disc golf right now. Um, I doubt, you know, they're probably as stress-free as they could possibly be. Oh, sure. I mean, the physical and mental health, I think, benefits alone are so big. You know, you're talking decreased blood pressure, increased concentration, decreased stress. Mm-hmm. Um, it is One of my favorite ones is when you have, I've read this study where hospital patients, if they have a room that overviews something green, as opposed to just a wall or like a parking lot or that, they heal faster. So like they heal eight times faster than a patient differently. And that's it's cool. Even that's just a view of it. You're not even necessarily physically in that space, yeah. but it makes a difference on, you know, how you feel. And yeah, they were saying like something about healthy force, like healthy, like environments can create healthy communities. Mm-hmm. And so like if a garden or if a area is not well kept, if there's lots of disease, it also contributes disease in the environment. So when we can upkeep, we have this responsibility in that camp. Responsibility is one of our core values and a lot of kids when they they think of picking up trash and um, when we take care of the the green spaces that we have um, we take care of ourselves essentially so kyle when you're looking at creating or managing a green space what are some of the the big considerations for you like what do you like really focus on from an importance perspective yeah so each community is different um so public need public engagement is pretty huge um obviously you know as someone who has experience in recreation, you can look at a park and think of what you want to do there. But um, since we are, you know, servants of the city, uh, we want to do what the community wants to see um, because obviously something I might want to do is could be very different than what the community wants. So um, taking that into account, um, we also like to think about the population density of the area, mm-hmm. how many people are going to use the park, um, and also the maintenance of it. You know, what amenities are we going to put up that um, could attract nuisance, could get vandalism. Um, it's, you know, important to activate your park so people are there and that kind of helps to self-police these areas. Mm-hmm. So putting amenities that are used, um, and, you know, making it so, you know, parks are majority grass and not a bunch of concrete. So, you know, once you put something there, it's there. Um, so making sure it's going to be heavily used, um, and not just something that's trending down. For instance, pickleball is, we've, spoke about that earlier and it's you know that's kind of taken the um the reins over tennis right now so you know you don't want to this wouldn't really be the right time to make a 50 court tennis facility you want to work in some pickleball so putting the the right amenities in um the community wants to see 
I love that, that there's an individualization to it, right? Each park needs to have a different footprint based on mm-hmm. the community the needs. Yep. Each, you know, each park looks different. Um, there's a lot of new ones um, that are going in. But of course, you look at something on the east side of town, like, for instance, a park called Smith Ryerson. Um, over there, we have a community center, a rental, um, a rental pavilion, um, a nice football field, a nice couple nice basketball courts. Um, then we have, you know, Pierre Marquette. That's, you know, 100,000 plus people visit that every summer. Um, so making sure there's some diversity in what you offer at each parks, you know, because not each park needs to be a, you know, a parking lot and a playground and a bathroom. Very true. What about for you, Riley? Either at Pendaluan or some of your previous experiences, what kind of have you seen as an important focus on creating and managing those spaces? Ooh. Um, I think for Pendaluan, it's really important. Um, when I was an outdoor instructor there, uh, when we would do night hikes, some of these kids um, came from inner city, had never seen the stars before. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing to me of like how like it, the wonder that they had. There was also so much fear with the dark that kids had never experienced so much dark. And so that's something that we always consider at Pendulum is the lighting around making sure uh, that we were able to have experience when we bring kids out here, which we're 15 minutes away from Muskegon, um, that they're able to have these natural experiences out um, and they can see the stars. They can feel, they can climb a tree, they can go in the lake, um, that we make sure that we protect these spaces. So we make sure with whatever we're building that we're still protecting these places of wonder. Yeah, it's true. There's, it's surprising how many people in Muskegon haven't been to the beach, right? Yeah. Haven't been to Lake Michigan or haven't so been out to the woods. So many lakes in Michigan, but some kids have never been to a lake before or swam in a lake. Yeah. They've probably been to a splash pad. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Which are also cool in their yes. own way. Yeah. Um, what role do you guys think green spaces can play in addressing the epidemic of loneliness? So one of the things, if you hear any of the the Surgeon General talks about it lately, he's actually called it um, an epidemic. Like loneliness is one in two Americans report being lonely on a regular basis. Um, and I hear you guys talking about community and preserving those spaces. So do you think that there's a role that it plays in, in that as well? Yeah, as far as, you know, I think it's a great place for volunteers to meet. Um, a lot of green spaces will have programs or for instance, we have walking clubs and it's, you know, it's a nice central location spot that you feel safe at. Um, you often see, you know, parents, you know, if they're co-parenting, exchanging children in a public place. Um, also just small little things like a lot of people who do, um, you know, Facebook marketplace, you'll meet in a park to exchange something because that's a safe place to go. Um, for instance, the guys out there, um, you know, playing disc golf. I'm sure they're not lonely. They're probably not even <laughs> thinking about, nope. you know, being alone. They're out there um, and having a good time. Um, but yeah, I'd say back to the the program aspect that it's, you know, you can, you can throw together, a, you know, a program or a volunteer opportunity. Um, and that's something people would always feel comfortable coming to a park and meeting um, for opportunities like that. I know I've, I've moved a few times in my life. And one of the first things I always do when I go to new community is check out the different parks and that Mm -hmm. piece because it's a good way to get involved and to see who else is out there and to meet people with you know like interests too well i think um with the avid looking at parks i think covid the pandemic really boosted parks um so i worked at a park during the pandemic and we were seeing 
like a huge increase in numbers um, because people were just going outside. And so um, because there was nothing else really to do, (laughs) but so many people were coming out into the parks. And so the national park system and other parks have been seeing an increase of recreation. But um, I really think an increasing and taking that uh, ability, I guess, of taking that opportunity of what COVID, the pandemic brought and really enhancing that like bringing more attention to the outdoors um, that I had been lacking beforehand, I think could really help. Most definitely. All right, Kyle, how do you foresee the city's park projects impacting the Muskegon community? Or do you have some that are exciting, maybe things that are coming up? Yeah, so we are um, doing our master plan um, for our parks. There's 32 parks we're looking into and receiving public feedback for. Um, So over 20 years there, the parks recreation was disbanded. It was just parks. So we had 20 years of maintenance, upkeep, mowing. Um, so our parks are clean um, and upkept, but there hasn't been that recreation aspect to it. Um, and so in, in those 20 years, you know, the design and the purpose of parks have changed so much. Um, so every park will get, you know, something unique. Um, but of course, like I mentioned earlier, 20 years ago, pretty much a place to park, a place to go to the bathroom and a place to play, such as a playground. Um, so really just the diversifying the parks that are offered. Um, for instance, we're starting an urban microforest in the Marquette neighborhood. That. Um, and that's, you know, that's just an interesting way to, to find an area of land that's not used as undevelopable um, and try to give it some type of benefit to the city, both, both environmentally um, and physically and mentally if you want to go out there. And, um, you know, there's several activities you could do somewhere out there. Um, well, you know, economically, there's advent, ad, advantages as well, like from a stimulation perspective, people are more likely to spend, they'll spend like 9 to 12% more in a landscape setting or where you can see exactly. some of that green spaces than not. And so contributing this, you know, this microforest and some of the things that are done, you know, in downtown and that piece, like mm-hmm. they make a difference in terms of driving local business too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so at, at that master plan, there's community parks and neighborhood parks. So there'll all be, you know, each park will have a specific purpose. You want your neighborhood parks to be geared a little more towards the residents, um, such as, you know, your local football team will, you know, get a new football field goal post and a new concession stand. And then your community parks, you know, will get new, you know, updated. I mean, parking lots isn't the most fun thing to discuss, but, you know, such as Pier Marquette, you know, we get over 100,000 people there a summer. um, And the you know, people are parking all over the place. We need to make sure that our, you know, our parking is is adequate for our guests. So um, really just making it diverse and, and not looking at each park and, you know, giving every park the same, all right, give it a playground, give it new benches and we're good. Um, and that's the, the community aspect goes into it and um, not to rant about it, but each park had their own opportunity to talk about what recreation amenities they wanted to see at those. So um, it's kind of interesting to see what each park has a different purpose. You know, oh, yeah. at, at first when we did that, I thought, well, everyone's going to say they want to pick a ball at every park. But actually, you know, every, you know, certain parks, people want picnicking. Certain parks, people want, you know, some bicycle amenities or certain parks, people want disc golf. It's really, it really shows what the community wants and how they want to use the parks differently. So, um, That's really cool. So it was more varied than you were anticipating when you surveyed. Yeah. And actually... I kind of disagree with our community engagement manager. <laughs> she wanted, I, and, and I had wanted just a blanket, what are the recreation needs for the community? Because that's typically how you do a master plan. Um, and she, you know, and I, she was passionate about 
wanting each park to show this and hey she ended up being right um, because now that we're even looking at doing some master plans for individual parks um, and, it's, okay. and we don't have to go through any of the engagement because each you know we've kind of done the framework right. for each park to completely be you have the data you just yeah. get to analyze it and yeah so we have all the data to if we wanted to repurpose any park you know we have data of what residents and visitors want to see there so okay yeah very interesting all right riley looking back and with that youth focus what do you think or what have you witnessed like why program participants benefiting from a green space like you talked earlier about the seeing the stars are yeah. there other benefits that you've seen because you've worked a lot with yeah. our programming and obviously programming in general your experience is vast but what yeah. do you see i think um what there i mean there's just an increase of whenever we get um, campers, there's just an increase of anxiety and um, ADHD. And so whenever I see these kids who go into this uncontrolled environment of unstructured play, these kids can, can just be kids. And um, that's why I really love Pendulon and being able to provide that experience where kids can be out of a classroom, can be out of playing video games inside their houses, and can be outside and they can try new things. I remember as a kid when I'd climb a tree, it tested my boundaries and I fell and uh, that happens in life. And so you just got to brush it off and keep going. And sometimes like you also are um, seeing a lot of these kids, like we had a, we developed a little garden, seeing kids that they were responsible for caring for this life that's growing underneath of us and caring for it. I think seeing the kids get that like sense of wonder and that like, oh, I'm responsible and or, oh, like this is fun or they could challenge themselves and um, it also be a place to breathe and take a walk. I took many kids who were crying and homesick and we would just go for a walk with a, another counselor and they would be able to breathe. And they're like, I've just never done this before. I had a kid when I was a counselor. Um, she was just like, I'm just not used to all this. I just go home and I play video games. Like, I like this. This is just hard for me. And I'm like, so like that was a very self-aware moment that this kid had, mm -hmm. but I was able to experience it with her and being like, yeah, life, like it is tough. I'm, I'm so proud of you for challenging yourself and being out here and working with so many other different individuals other than yourself and it being exposed to an entirely different environment. Um, but I've seen so much rewarding things that a lot of kids come back home with so much confidence of being out in the, in the outdoors, um, being in, being able to uh, challenge themselves going in a boat canoeing for the first time uh, shooting a bow and arrow for the first time outside and being able to climb a wall rock wall and being able to garden for the first time a lot of these first time experiences you get to see uh, that kids don't get to have at home and so it's um, so important to have these green spaces available and accessible um, for everyone yeah accessibility is a key too and i'm plug here, but I'm really excited about our continued partnership too. We're going to be running a day camp for the first time in McGraft Park in summer of 2024. More information to come. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, we don't have it all yet. Um, but I think even with that piece, there, I think there'll be a, first of all, it'll meet a community need, right? There's just not a lot of things for kids to do out of that school time, that out of school summertime in particular. We just don't have enough options out there. So it'll definitely be meeting a community need from that perspective. But I think it's really going to draw awareness too to some of the 
the really cool things that we have right here in Muskegon, right? You don't have to travel to different places to have these cool experiences or to experience. I mean, but crap, this is beautiful. Yes. That's where we're at today, actually. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but <laughs> it's a really beautiful space. The facility is gorgeous. It smells nice. The, you know, they're putting all kinds of new, you know, playground equipment in. And there's just, it feels vibrant and part of the community. And I, I think it'll be nice to to help drive that awareness too, that there's these spaces here in Muskegon that anybody can utilize at any time. But, well, guys, uh, as we kind of wrap up, any tips that you have as experts on green spaces and how people can enjoy <laughs> <laughs> Muskegon or the green spaces in our area or other places too, where they can go check out? We're not picky. Yeah, I mean, I'd say anyone you know in Muskegon has the opportunity to or really anyone who visits Muskegon Parks, um, you know, could give their input um, on our master planning. Um, that's huge to have that um, that aspect of it. Um, we are working on, I mean, tips really for us to, or I mean, ways for us to get the community more involved. We're working on an interactive map to find the parks because there's 32 in Muskegon and most people don't even know that. Um, that also comes with bringing them, to, them up to a higher standard um, before we get a bunch of of people in them. Um, but yeah, so just promoting the parks more. Um, you know, I have a five-year-old daughter and every time we're out, she picks up trash. And now she learned that at school. So, you know, having social responsibility, I think it's, you know, really neat that kids are learning that it's important to pick up litter. Um, I don't think that, you know, even I was taught that in school, it wasn't as important. It's just more important now the way, you know, that the, the current status of the environment. So, um, just people, you know, if, it's not just you who wants to pick up trash. If my kid wants to do it, if every kid in her class, every time they go to a park, they want to do it, that makes a big difference. So, you know, what we're teaching the younger generation um, helps a lot. I love that. Yeah. Uh, finding those opportunities to find the parks. Yeah. I'm, I've lived here for maybe two, three years, and I'm still learning of new places to go and hike and go and walk around. And so um, don't lose that wonder and just go and find like online and volunteer. Um, I know at Penelon we have, uh, I will look it up, Volunteer Day, <laughs> which is uh, the Ooh. 27th of April. That's new information for me, too. Yeah. <laughs> April 27th will be our volunteer day. So if you want to help in picking up rakes and leaves and being outdoors, it's a free event. You get some snacks and water. And then we also have a free preview day for families um, to check out camp on May 19th of 2024. So make sure to have those are just free events for you to be able to be in an outdoor space such as Pendaluan, um, which we're only about 15 minutes away from Muskegon. So we're pretty um just a drive away. Yeah, and quite similar to that, we're doing spring cleanups with neighborhood associations. Awesome. Um, what's, hard, what's tough is that our, our budgeted seasonal time frame doesn't always line up with how Mother Nature's going to feel. Um, <laughs> you know, they start mid-April. There could very well be a thaw on March 18th, and mm -hmm. your, the park is trashed, and that's usually a lot of that. It's just from um, trash pickup and people not bagging their trash and stuff just has to stop somewhere. So usually once parks them when they thought first, it's, it's a bad look. So, um, but that's, that's just the nature of winters. Um, I moved from Florida, so I never had that. Um, so <laughs> we're, we're trying to figure out creative ways to, to get ahead of that. So, you know, we have 14 neighborhoods, um, in Muskegon and just about every single one has a park. So we're engaging with them and, and we've told them, you know, we're going to watch the weather. It's going to be, um, kind of a fluid date, but you know, as soon as the, 
you know, because people want to be outside in the spring. And I mean, as soon as it gets warm, the parks are packed. And like I said, that's usually a step or two ahead of our seasonal hiring. So trying, you know, trying to get people involved in the spring cleanup of the parks is is important for us, too. All right. So it sounds like we all have to come and help, you know, keep our beautiful spaces clean come this spring and just enjoy being outside. Uh, thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Riley, for joining us. Well, thank, thank you, you. listeners. Uh, and we will see you later. Get outside. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the This Is Why podcast, supported by the Muskegon YMCA. If you would like more information about anything discussed in today's episode, or if you have suggestions for a topic you would like to learn more about, please visit muskeganymca.org.